you've been searching for the only one who knows what you're fighting for. I got what you want. I got what you need. I got what you need. All right, welcome back to another episode of In the Paint. I am joined as I am every time we record with my buddy, my hooping pal, my co-host, Joe. What's going on, man? Basketball, basketball, and more basketball. We got March Madness coming up for college. I know this isn't a college podcast, but you know there's um, some awesome things happening there. Uh, we're right dead smack in the swing of things. Playoff pictures starting to come together as we start the second half of the NBA season. So it's just going to be an awesome few weeks here, man. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it's right in the middle of like awesome, awesome basketball. Um, I'm a big March Madness fan. I don't know about you, but like I love March Madness, and I assume you are too because you just love basketball. Oh, yeah. um, so like this, this is like this next month, like March Madness into like April, where playoff, you know, like NBA playoff hopes and stuff starts to really like pick up is like the best best like month or two of sports so i'm super pumped for that um but all that aside let's jump into what we are which is an nba centric podcast let's jump into some nba news we'll we'll touch on march madness next week when it's when it's about to start but um first things first we actually had a coach fired um this week which honestly was a shock to me i think but but maybe not but what are your thoughts about the Hawks letting go of Lloyd Pierce? Well, um, I didn't I didn't expect it, to be honest with you. But after looking back, it makes sense because they spent a lot of money this offseason. They've been at the top of the uh, draft lottery for the last four years. And uh, and they had in a very – what's going to be we'll, – we'll go over like the East picture here. What's a very, very surprisingly – weaker east than we thought after the top three four teams they might not make the playoffs so i think you know there's there's something to be said with that you know kind of talent you bring in uh capella last year you bring in gallinari um you already have john college you have trey young who's averaging 30 points and over nine assists a game i mean crazy numbers and you're not winning games with that i mean yeah i can see it yeah, I just, I mean, I thought this, in, like, initially I thought this was one of these cases where, like, the Hawks, maybe at the beginning of the year, but just in general, I think the Hawks thought maybe they were going to be better than they actually are. Like, yes. I know, like you said, they spent a ton of money, and, like, I know they wanted to make a playoff push, and they wanted to, Yes. they wanted to, you know, like, they wanted to be better, obviously, with all that money and everything that they did. But, like, I just feel like maybe it's kind of one of these imposter syndromes where, they just like thought they were a lot better than they were and still think they're better than they are. And I don't know if firing your coach is really going to change that. Um, it's, it's not going to change a thing, first of all. So like Nate McMillan's not going to come in there and then all of a sudden they're going to be, you know, you know, a six or seven seed. You know, they'll be fighting for a, a playoff berth, maybe. Um, but I think ownership had unrealistic expectations for Lloyd Pierce. And when you compare it, I guess, to what those unrealistic expectations were, it it makes sense that he got fired, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like par for the course if you're looking at it from what their unrealistic expectations were. Um, so, you know, 
like sucks for Lloyd Pierce because I don't actually think that like he was doing a bad job necessarily. He really was working with like the talent and what they gave him, um, which was not much defense and then like an annoying Trey Young. But like it's the it's like it's the business when you have unlofty expectation when you have lofty expectations and unrealistic expectations and you don't meet them like you can still get fired so that's what happened um but we'll repl- say on this podcast go ahead that you and i going into this season both were not high on the hawks at all like these no. moves that everybody like i was reading article after article and listening to people saying oh you know they're gonna make playoffs and i think you know that's where a lot of those unrealistic expectations come from. But I looked at that roster, and you looked at that roster, where you're like, nah, like, where? No. Yeah, and, and I think we both said no, but it was like, in my brain, it was like, oh, maybe fight for that play-in game, right? Like, have a shot. Yeah. But even then, it was like, I still don't see them winning two games in a row against some of these better teams than them. So, like, the fact that Atlanta thought that, like, they would be competing at a higher level, like, I don't know, did they think they were going to be in, like, the mix for, like, a, a top six or, I don't know. I just, it shocks me that, that this guy gets fired when they're pretty much where we thought they would be. I mean, at least in our opinion. So Right, right. We, we were kind of spot on. I mean, we're wrong a lot, but we were kind of spot on with them. And, uh, you know, but I think the expectation was media as well, too, you know? Yeah. So. No, no doubt. Uh Nick McMillan is one of his his lead assistant taking a spot. He's a guy who's been a head coach in his league multiple times uh, with the Blazers and Pacers, I believe. Any uh, does that make any noise? I mean, I guess it's kind of like redemption in a sense, right? Like we didn't think he necessarily should have been fired in Indiana. Um, that was kind of odd that like that yeah. happened too, right? So I think it's almost like kind of like full circle for him where he gets fired unexpectedly. He then takes a lead assistant job and then he gets the job from somebody that gets fired somewhat unexpectedly or maybe undeservingly. Um, I don't think it's going to change anything. Like the NBA is one of these rare things where coaching matters, but at the end of the day, you're only playing about six or, you know, seven or eight guys. So if those seven or eight guys just don't mesh, then like as a coach, you really can't do a whole lot. Um, and so I just feel like Nate McMillan's kind of walking into like a dumpster fire where it's not even not that sounds sounds harsh, but it's almost like there's been gasoline poured on the fire. It just hasn't happened yet. Um, and at one point it's pretty combustible, and I do feel like it might have to blow up. Um, but you know, we'll see. I I don't think he changes much. Not a lot of player movement goes on, you know, during the season typically in the NBA. You know, you have trades near the trade deadline, maybe some stuff earlier. You know. Obviously, we had the Harden thing, but it's been quiet on that front for a little while, except for Houston releasing DeMarcus Cousins. What do you think? I just feel for the dude. I mean, he he turns down a max extension at the deadline with New Orleans, right? It was going to be like two years, 55 million or two years, 50 million. Like he turns that down because he bets on himself. And you can always respect that, like betting on yourself. Well, I would too, and and, yeah. and if he was healthy, he would have gotten a max deal. Like, there's no Correct. doubt of that. I mean, he was a 25, 10, and 5 guy in a sleep. But then he goes, and he has 100,000 injuries. Like, and just, it's just, you do, you feel for the guy. And he's lost that explosiveness. Like, he can still shoot. Um, he can still play make a little bit. I think he can still go out. And, I mean, he was getting still 15 points a game 
But his role, he, he can't play more than 20, 25 minutes because defensively he's a complete liability. And that's really what it comes down to, right? In the right role, he could be your seventh or eighth guy. He can come in, get you 15, 20 on you know, some given nights, make some plays for you. But, uh, but if he's out there 35 minutes, he just can't do it. Yeah, I, you said it all. I mean, and Houston wanted to go young, so like I get it. They want to kind of rebuild and go young, and obviously DeMarcus Cousins doesn't fit a rebuild. So, you know, that is what it is. Um, yeah, I feel for the guy. I, end up, I feel like he'll sign with a contender, like maybe a Brooklyn or go back to the Lakers or somewhere, um, you know, once that once that happens. Um, but, yeah, he just he bet on himself, and since then it just has not gone well. I, I do feel like maybe Los Angeles – the Lakers did him dirty a couple years ago, or maybe it was last year, where basically, like, seemed like he was going to play a contributing role and then never really played, and then they released him, but then we're like, oh, but you can still rehab with us and still be on our, like, in our facilities, and then they just got rid of him after that, and so he's just been in this roller coaster, which is, you know, sometimes what the NBA is, and sometimes that professional world is like that, but... For a guy that was so talented and so damn good and was going to be one of the best players in the league to now be just released everywhere he goes really is, is a downfall. But, you know, hopefully he gets a shot to, to win a ring somewhere. It's It really is unfortunate. And he wasted all those years in Sacramento, too, <laughs> yep. um, where, he, where he's called a coach killer and a cancer. And, everything and they come to find out, like, he's a kick-ass teammate. He really like, is. He's a locker room presence. Like... It's just, it's just not to mention that everybody that goes to Sacramento, their career dies. So like for the most part, so I mean like, exactly. And every single person that comes out of Sacramento always seems to have this tag of like bad teammate, or like you said, um, doesn't work well with others. And it's like, maybe it's just the organization is so shitty (laughs) that everybody wants to act that way to get out. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, Cause like Rondo, Rondo has been praised by everywhere he's been. that he's a great teammate. DeMarcus, um, I'm sure like guys like De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald at some point will get that same label or maybe like they don't want to play hard or whatever. Right. But everybody seems to be great once they leave that place. <laughs> so, exactly. um, you know, well, hope like I said, hope they got wins a ring, but it's not shocking that, that Houston kind of went younger and moved on. I saw this the other day, Matt, and I th- just thought it was really, really cool. Um, Kevin Love won an award for the uh, – Cleveland Greater Sports Commission, uh, Humanitarian of the Year, uh, with his work on uh, um, on mental health. So, uh, as an advocate, so I just wanted to throw that out there that I thought that was pretty awesome. You know, he hasn't has he played at all this year? I think he played early, and then he hasn't played since then. Yeah, um, you know, great guy who came out just a, a few years ago. You know, and talks about the mental health issues that he's struggled with, and uh, so good to see him that get that and have some recognition so yeah i'm all for it i mean i've got family members that have struggled with mental health and um just are wired differently and um so to see him come out and talk about that and you know like somebody that has all the money in the world and is a professional athlete can still deal with the same stuff that you know like a joe schmo would or like a, a you and i would um, and so well, the I fact that Joe Schmo, so. okay. <laughs> yeah, right. You are Joe Schmo. So the fact that, you know, again, that famous people now can come out and step and be vulnerable. Um, and he, like, I fully believe that he doesn't like this war award means a lot, but like, you know, 
he didn't do it for any award and he didn't do it for anything other than like he wanted to shed a light on something that's not talked about in professional sports or just in the professional world in general um so well deserved and i'm i'm sure he's like honored by it um but he'll continue to do more and and shed more light on on the space he's also a big wine guy i don't know if you knew that but lebron turned him on to wine um lebron's a massive wine guy um and he turned him on to wine and so like Kevin Love's like two biggest loves now are wine and and like advocating for mental health, which like are <laughs> in, which are I mean, interesting. I've heard that wine yeah. is actually like I mean, obviously it's an alcohol, but like I've heard wine actually has a lot of things in it that are actually very healthy for you. Um, sure. Outside of like if you drink a bottle of it a night, like there's a difference there. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Um, so you know, I say they go hand in hand because apparently there's some things that are healthy for you there. So maybe it's good for stimulating the brain. I don't know. But I mean, all yeah. that aside, shout out to Kevin Love for for getting that award. It's well deserved. He's a great dude. Yeah, Matt. We got uh, one one rookie and one sort of rookie because I only played half a season last year. <laughs> yeah, um, they're just balling out right now. No pun intended. So <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm going to take the stage here with LaMelo Ball um, because as I bring up probably once an episode or maybe every other episode, I was on this dude from the beginning, um, saw the film, saw the potential, and I just kept saying, like, the way that he passes and his dribbling and his his IQ and his awareness are off the charts. And, like, yes, he's not the greatest shooter. He has some weird form, and maybe there was some some – you know, leadership or character issues because he wasn't doing well in interviews and all that stuff. Whatever. I just said, dude can play the point guard position being like, you know, 6'8 or 6'7, whatever he is. And he he's just incredible. He, he has things that you just can't teach. And then he decided, oh, wait, I actually can shoot the ball now. Like, I can shoot the ball at a 35% clip from three. And I can score 20 points a night. Oh, I also can rebound, which we knew he could. Like, we knew he had the ability to go up and get a rebound. But now he's putting all those things together, and I sent you this text the other day, Joe, but he's going to be – and I don't know the first one, so you know maybe I need to do some research. But he's going to be the second – I say gonna because he's, he's going to. But he's going to be the second rookie ever to lead all rookies in points, rebounds, and assists and win the rookie of the year, which, like I said, I don't know who the first one is. I tried to look it up. I couldn't figure it out. But he's going to be the second one to ever do that in the NBA history, and – for, for somebody who had so much question marks come, surrounding him going into the draft, I feel like that's pretty damn impressive because a lot of people, like LeBron didn't even do that. Like guys that are now seen as the best players in our league and the best player ever can't say that they led the rookies in all cate- in all major categories like he will. Um, so I think that like I saw it coming, but man, this has been an unbelievable year that I didn't even see coming overall. Not to mention with him and Gordon Hayward, I mean they they have the the Bobcats on on the verge of a playoff berth. Also the Hornets, but still the Bobcats. Did I say Bobcats? <laughs> you said Bobcats. I said Bobcats. Charlotte Bobcats. Actually, Charlotte I kind of wish they were still the Bobcats because those jerseys were fire. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like you said, a big part of it is yeah. where they have them in the standings. Right. So. You know, he's going to get compared throughout his career to, to other people. One is his brother, Lonzo Ball. So, so I was looking this up earlier. Did, did you know Lonzo's Lonzo's best year was as a rookie? Like, statistically, his as best a rookie. This year, though. But, yes, Lon- it is re- currently as, yes, but currently it is as a rookie. Yeah. 
So um, he averaged 10 points. I know he's up this year. I'm yeah. always on that. He's, he's almost at 15, 14 and a half right now. But he averaged 10 points, seven assists, and seven rebounds as a rookie. Lonzo did. Yeah. Since then, he's averaged 10 points, five and five, 11, six and five, and now 14, five and four. But did you know that he shot 36% from the field as a rookie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lonzo. yeah, so. dude. He he was abysmal to watch. Like I'm just gonna call it what it is. <laughs> like he made passes where you're like, oh shit, he's got like he's got the yeah. talent. But then he would hit it. You would try to hit a jumper from like 18 feet, and it would just brick off the side of the rim. And you're like, yeah. oh, that's not even close. <laughs> and he's so he, yeah. He, he has actually improved, you know, on that a little bit. Uh, his shooting, but his other sets have gone down. So. So I only say that, and there's one thing that does worry about me with Lamelo is he's not getting to the free throw line. Yeah. Neither of the ball, you know, neither of the balls are so. Um, so that in and of itself is is a little worry, but I mean he's doing everything that you would expect him to do, right? So I'm interested to see how he progresses and how he adds to his game over the next three or four years, or if he kind of plateaus and stays, you know, similar, kind of like his brother did and not really grow as a player and not really been able to figure what he is. You know what I mean? So, so that's going to be the next step for him. I don't think he's going to be a 25 point score ever. Right. I mean, that's going to be him, but you know, can he be your lead point guard, get you 18 and uh, nine, 10 assists, you know, five or six rebounds. Yeah. I mean, he should, that, that should be the expectation right now. Right. Yeah, I think you hit on the thing that I'm worried most about, which is, like, I, he's very, very good, but he's already kind of hit a peak of, like, certain things. So it's, like, how how does he improve? And the two things, like you mentioned, are he's got, it like, scoring. I don't know if he's ever going to be 25, but I can see him touching 20. Like, if he can get 20, that's pretty nice. But he's got to be able to keep the shooting up, right? Like, if he can't hit threes yeah. in this league as a point guard, unfortunately, like, you're really expendable. And... um he has been showing he can do that, but is that something that like maybe is flashing a pan or whatever? We're gonna find out. If he continues to shoot at a nice clip and continues to you know keep the turnovers down, but rebound and, and pass at a high level, he'll be in the he'll be in the league forever. He really will. He will. Yeah. Um, but does he plateau? I hope that plateau doesn't stop at sixteen six and six. I hope it plateaus at twenty nine and, and seven. Like that, you know that would be nice. Listen um, to sorry, defense. sorry, 20, not 29 points and seven, 29 and seven. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, with improved defense, I think is another thing we can work on um, as well. But this next guy we're going to talk about, holy hell. <laughs> Zion has been, bust. as advertised, <laughs> but yeah, bust, has been a bust. No, has been ad- as advertised, if not better. Um. He night in and night out. I know he didn't play last night. We're recording this on a Friday morning. He was, you know, he was um, off for rest last night because they played a back to back. But every night he goes out and gets an effortless twenty-five plus points on like eighty percent shooting, and it blows my freaking mind how he does it. They don't. They don't have to run anything for him. He doesn't they, have just, set plays. No, it's like it's like DeAndre Ayton and Phoenix. Like he's just there, like making, like 
stuff happen, I guess. And <laughs> yeah. Zion just does it even better. But, like, if he catches the ball within four or five feet of the basket, I mean, it's over. Like, there's yes. no one that can stop him. <laughs> he was on JJ Reddick's podcast the other, or yesterday or two days ago, and I was listening to it. And he literally said that um, – Going into the season, Stan was like, "Hey, we're gonna run. We might like run some you at the at the like being the four, being the head pick and roll guy, like the ball handler and the pick and roll, and like run that with JJ and run that with guys that can shoot whomever, and like we might do that like three times a game. They're doing that fifteen times a game now. He gets fifteen times where he's the ball handler and the pick and roll with JJ, and it works wonders because." He can go downhill and get by anybody if he wants to. Once he gets his shoulder by you, it's over. But then if you double or you back off or you go under the screen, J.J. Redick can hit shots. Now, he's not hitting at a beautiful clip, but he can still make shots in your eye because he's J.J. Redick. But the funny thing that he brought up was people are forcing him right because he's left-handed. The problem is, is they don't understand that like he can also do really well going right. So they force him right, and he just goes, oh, bet. Like, I can go right. And he gets ahead of Steve going right. And then, once, like you said, once he gets five feet in, you can't stop him. So he's legitimately such a matchup nightmare for anybody because he's so big and quick. But he can handle the ball, too. And um, what the other night, I think he had, like, what, 37 or, like, 38 on like 17 of 18 or 19 or something like that and it's just it's so dumb (laughs) i like watch him and i'm so angry because it looks so effortless but i know he's working his ass off (laughs) but like he just hits bodies hit him and they just fall off and he's just like yeah i'm good like that's nothing because he's like 280 yeah 6'8 280 it's unreal 40 40 inch vertical like can finish with either hand around the basket like May's good best is actually a pretty smart player. Now, yeah. like there there's some things that he has to work on. Uh, again, young players defensively a lot of times is where they need to catch up. But you know, he's so athletic that sometimes he can be in bad position to make plays, a la like Dwight Howard used to be able to do ten, you know, ten years ago. So um yeah, man. And I think he is a gym rat who will if I had to put money on, will get better. Yeah, Kevin O'Connor mentioned that, like, Zion is still solely relying on athleticism defensively. Like, he's not doing well, like, awareness-wise or, like, IQ-wise yet. But that comes with time. And when he actually is, like, in the right spots and is, you know, rotating correctly and actually gets to the spot first, what like, he'll be a defensive player of the year, too. Like, it's it's scary. Yeah, because, yeah, because like, no, no one's going through him or around him or anything like that if he's, you know aware so the the other night they were playing the bulls and um i was watching it and i think it was um ryan archidiakono or maybe sadaransky but they were zion came down with a full head of steam and they at one point were set up to take a charge and legitimately the second he arrived they changed their mind and got out of the way and that's what he does to you like you think oh i can take this charge and then you see him and you're like there's no way i'm taking this charge not a yeah. chance. I know, oh, but you don't want to get dunked on, so you just move out of the way. Um, so I love yeah. the dude, and I can't wait to see the next few years, like, what he turns into. And I'm sorry. I know we talk about his weight and, like, all that stuff, but 
dude, I, I don't even care anymore. It doesn't matter to me. He can play his entire career at 6'8", 280, and he'll be just as fun and entertaining and explosive. And sure, Charles Barkley came out and was like, oh, well, I had to lose weight. Yeah, but then you lost too much weight, Charles Barkley, and then you had to work on getting it back, and that's harder. It's harder to get it back. So if I'm him, like, if it happens naturally that he loses weight, great. Like, if, you know, and, and it will. He'll just naturally lose weight because of how hard he works. But, like, if I'm him, I'm not actively going out looking to lose 20 pounds. I'm just like, if it happens, it happens. But right now, I can still play at this weight, and I'm fine. Yeah, he's not going to be – yeah, you're not going to go out and he's not going to start dieting to lose 20 pounds. That, that would that would be counterproductive, you know. I mean, he's got to watch his joints. He's got to make sure that he strengthens those areas and, you know, keeps his keeps keeps those strong. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I'm, I didn't hear Charles Barkley say that. And I'm surprised because um, Charles Barkley's thing was he couldn't stay in shape and he ended up having a bunch of back issues and stuff. I bet if he played now, his career would have been a lot longer um, yeah. and more more productive. But um, coming from one of the most productive players ever and probably one of the most underrated and one of my favorites. So Yeah, no yeah, bias. no bias there, but whatever. Right. So, okay. Is this a... T- is this a two-man MVP race now, by the way, as we move on to our next segment? Uh, yes and no. I mean, like, I've said it all along. I think if LeBron if LeBron takes this team to the finals again, or, you know, like, they're, they're in a position to get to the finals, like, he's going to win a Lifetime Achievement Award for the MVP. But if you ask me, like, just based on right now, yes, it's a two-man race. It is. It's, it's not even close. And it's Joel Embiid. And Nikola Jokic, who we're talking about here, yeah, two two seven footers, <laughs> two we got two of them. And there was a chance that, like, without LeBron, if AD plays, if like again, back it up, if AD plays really really well this year, there's a chance that three of the guys that are the MVP candidates are seven footer or taller. And then Giannis. Oh yeah, shit. Where are we in this league now? Like we're we're back to the bigs dominating again. <laughs> But yeah, no, oh, talk man. about it because I know you're big on you've been big on both of these guys, like and as have I. But you're big, you're like a big, you love the big man, and so oh yeah, um, I'll I'll let you have this floor. Well, um, Embiid, Doc Rivers, I think has just done wonders for him. To be honest with you, um, he's opened up things um, in his game. Embiid respects him and listens to him, and that's why you see him a lot more on the block. And talk about someone who just physically can dominate the game in a way that when's the last time we've seen somebody do it on both ends like this physically. I mean, obviously LeBron, but from a center position, do you want to say, I mean, it's, it's dare I say it's Shackus. Like it's, that's not outlandish at all. Like that's how he's playing right now. Yeah. Shaq, Shaq with a, with a jumper, like you know, <laughs> yeah. he's still taking his, you know, what was he averaging? Three, Three point attempts a game or something like that. Yeah, Which like is, rounds. Yeah, yeah, rounds of three. Yeah. Yeah, and if you just want to keep, you know, keep him happy doing that. That's fine. But like his post dominance right now, uh, his back to the basket game, his face up from 10, 12, 15 feet. I mean, what do you do with that? And then forget trying to drive. Forget, forget trying to score on the Sixers in general. Like, I mean, Ben Simmons. Like at the point you get through him. And then you meet Joel Embiid at the rim. It's crazy. It 
Yeah, it's it's bonkers. The team is so good defensively. They have two defensive player of the year candidates. Um, you know, and, and both are six eight or taller. One of them plays a point guard position. But um Embiid was last night or two nights ago. Um he I can't forget who they were playing. Oh, it was the Jazz. And um, by the way, we can we can get into if there's a segment on here if we you know if we want to talk about it with some of these teams. The officiating has been such a joke this year. It's been really rough, um, and it it showed itself the last like three nights but with Devin Booker getting ejected against the Lakers, which was ridiculous, and then De- Donovan Mitchell getting ejected two nights ago um, against the the Sixers. This whole not having fans thing is really making these referees think that they like play a massive role in this game. Um, or like they want to insert themselves as like entertainment for this game. And um, I'm not saying that if guys warrant an ejection, like no matter how talented you are, then like you, you have to get ejected. But if it doesn't warrant an ejection and they're a massive like face of the league or the team, like we, we can't just be going ejecting these guys big times in games. We can't, um, especially if it's a quick trigger. Like, I don't know. Sorry, that's another that's another soapbox. But Embiid hit a shot against the Jazz the other night that he had started. They were down two. Or sorry, they were down three. The the Sixers were. And Embiid caught the ball in the post against Bogdanovich. And Bogdanovich was 100% trying to foul him. He literally, like, used his kind of, like, upper body to, like, push him in the post and knock him over. Embiid falls over with the ball, hits the ball on the ground, like, catches his balance. Then decides, oh well, if I didn't get that foul call, I got to get out to the three-point line, or this game's over. Because they were, you know, they were going to foul to keep the game going. He Dang. takes the ball, dribbles out to the three-point line, stumbles a bit, then throws up a three, drills it. They end up winning by like eight in overtime. And that whole sequence was just MVP esque, right? Like, there's moments yeah. in games that you can like look back in each game where you go, oh, that's an MVP moment. And that one where he had the rec- he had the uh, the ability to recognize that he. Shouldn't have probably been in the post to take a two because they were going to foul him. He goes, oh, shit. He runs out to the three, hits a crazy, like, unbalanced three, and then they end up winning the game because he makes some big plays in overtime. He is, he is like, neck and neck for the MVP. I still think it's Jokic just based off of, like, or sorry, it's Embiid based on, like, where your team is and stats. Jokic is doing such amazing things, but his team isn't doing super hot, so, like, that's going to knock him down a peg. But both these dudes are, like, razor thin, and like you mentioned, you got to split hairs somewhere, and maybe you split hairs at where your team is. But but Embiid is just doing things on both ends of the floor that are just mind-blowing. It's as, he's getting to the line at a better rate than he ever has in his career. That goes with him posting up and, you know, running the offense through him instead of just floating out in the perimeter. Because in, ye- in years past, correct me if I'm wrong, it just seems like there were supporters or even games where he not necessarily took off, but he floated. Like he didn't, he didn't, he didn't exert his presence. You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't make it be known that he was the best, most dominant player on the court and that he was going to carry the team. You know, he floated around the three point line, you know, let Tobias Harris take a turn or something like that. That's not happening at all this year. Like everything is going through him offensively and defensively. And it's fun to watch, man. I mean, it's fun to watch seven footers. The post-up game is not dead. I mean, no, no, not at all. Yeah, it's just that we haven't had anybody really efficient in a really long time. And, and because they were around. teaching them to, you know, like float around or you're basically going to be here to like start offense and then that's it. You know, like instead right. of you're going to be the offense, you know, like like the Sixers have done. Doc Rivers, no shock, he's an old school guy. So like yeah. he knew that he was going to be able to take Embiid and turn him, you know, into a dominant post player. But yeah, you're right. 
big men still run this league, man. Like, you know, I mean, that's what was championships, I guess. So historically in the NBA, correct? I mean, yeah, there's, there's I been mean, outliers. There's been yeah. outliers. But you've always had, as a team, you've always had to be able to do two things. And that is uh, protect the paint and score in the paint. Right? Well, I mean, Other variety of sports. So. People may hear you make that comment and then go, oh, what about the Warriors? Well, I go, hey, what happened when Andrew Bogut went out against the Cavs? Yeah. LeBron went to the rim at will, and he knew it that, like, oh, if you don't have if you don't have your phenomenal rim protector and Andrew Bogut, like, I'm going to the rim at will. So, like, I'm not saying that Andrew Bogut is an all-star, but what I'm saying is big men make a difference when they can protect the rim, like you said. And so, yes, big man is not the big man is not dead, especially defensively. Like, AD changes games on the defensive end because of his rim presence and his ability to defend. Um, Embiid, same thing. Gobert, same thing. Um, there's guys, Giannis, same thing. Like, there's guys in this league that you can consider a big man, but they defend the hell out of the rim, and that's the difference. Now, the next area, yeah, you're right. And, I mean, the Mavericks, 2011, beating the Heat, that was Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler. Yeah. That he stopped Wade and LeBron from getting to the basket. Um, so, like, yeah, but it's nice to see them, you know, get a little more credit. So, so Jokic, Jokic, every game he does something where you just like, like, it just makes you, it makes me laugh out loud. Like, is really what happens. Like, like he looks like, what's the quote? He looks like a, he just like is playing in flip flops. Yes. You move, yeah. <laughs> But he's so big, he's so strong, and he's extremely quick. He's actually found stuff out defensively. Now, obviously, he's not going to be the rim protector in the same way that Embiid and Giannis and AD and those guys are. But he's very, very crafty defensively. He's good at altering shots. Um, he's got a plus defensive rating this year. And, uh, and he just makes plays. Like, he turns what you would assume to be a bad shot into a good shot. And his passing, Matt, like, <laughs> it's crazy. His his full court passing, just his, his awareness, like, I mean, he's playing like he's the top five player in this league right now. Like, oh, yeah. And, and he's every bit the MVP candidate as Embiid is. We had talked about this yesterday about how we give the slight edge to Embiid simply because of team success, right? Nuggets have struggled. Jokic doesn't get much help. Um, but then I was also thinking on the flip side of that is Embiid's missed seven games, eight games somewhere around this season. Jokic hasn't missed any. So does that, you know, go into it? I don't know. So. Yeah, um, everything you said is spot on. Um, I think the one thing about Embiid, like you said, is that is a difference maker for him only missing seven games. That's why he's an MVP candidate, because normally he's missing half a season or, you know, like a third or right. a little more of a season. This year, he's only missed a few <laughs> games here and there. And so that's huge. But yeah, it, but you're right. I think maybe availability matters in the MVP race. And if Jokic ends up playing every game or only misses a couple games where Embiid maybe misses double digits... Maybe that factors in too. Like a, that was the big feather in LeBron's cap up until last night, or yeah, two nights ago, was oh he played every game. Now I don't blame him for taking a game off. That's completely fine. But 
the feather in, in LeBron's cap always was, I play more games than everybody and I'm 35 years old. So maybe Jokic takes a feather in his cap and says, if I play every game and I do these same things every game, that should matter. And I think it should. Um, Jokic is right there. He hit shots that like when he, I like in some of the shots that he hit. So when you play, you'll like hit a, you'll like hit a turnaround that like makes zero sense that it goes in and you're like fading eight feet away from the basket and it somehow goes in and like, but then I go, but you'll do it again the next time down the floor. And this time I'm like, okay, well this isn't lucky. Like this is just like, this is just what these guys do. And like Jokic does that. He hits a shot where it's like this high arcing fadeaway and it looks like it's going to be eight feet short of the rim, but then it just drops through the net and you're like, okay, I'm not like, I'm not mad anymore. Like this is what this guy does. And, but his passing is otherworldly. It's, it's unreal. His vision is crazy. And the fact that he's doing this, like you said, what looks like he's playing in flip flops, um, just makes it all that more impressive. So, um, I love the dude. I love his like quirkiness and his like personality, but also the way that like he carries himself and really is just really is a gamer. Like he will get in your face if he has to, and he'll yell at you and like say, and one and all that stuff. But then he'll like give you a big bear hug after. And, um, so I just love the dude. I love him a ton. Don't try double. I mean, I don't know how you guard him. Like, I don't know how you guard Embiid right now, but you can't double Jokic anywhere on the court. Nowhere. And you can't let him shoot anywhere on the court. Yeah, the one again, the one thing that he has over Embiid is if you double Embiid, he's not a great as great a passer. If 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 anything at all, like not a great passer. He can make the right pass, but he's not gonna make the beautiful pass that like gets a wide open three. Um, like Jokic will. So that's another thing. If you double Jokic, it's over because he will find somebody cutting or in the corner and oh, this this isn't on the outline, but I have to bring it up because I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Candace Parker schooling Shaq on NBA TNT? I did see it. So, really quick for for the listeners who or the viewers or listeners who who haven't seen this clip, it's like a fifty five second clip, and Shaq is angry that um, the Nuggets won a game because of like how you know how well they shot the three or how many threes hey. they hit and whatever. So Shaq being this big, like old, he's like the classic, like old head NBA who like thinks that all the old players are better and all this bullshit. So he comes out and he says in the, in the, like, I guess it was the post game show that they do. It's him, Adam Lefko, Dwayne Wade and Candace Parker, which is just a, a dominant. It's panel. awesome. Yeah. But anyway, so he says, he's like, are we ever going to get to the time where we like man up and, and like just pre-rotate and man up and like play man on man defense. And we don't just let these shots go up. And Candace Parker just looks at him like, pre-rotate. What do you say? And up. Like, she goes, she goes, Shaq, you can't pre-rotate. If you pre-rotate against the Denver Nuggets, they will kill you with the corner three and the game is over. And he goes, and then she's like, everybody can shoot. And he goes, not everybody can shoot. And she goes, okay, well, not everybody, but like every, most people in this league now, they can shoot. Like, they can kill you if they're open. Yes. And then he goes he goes uh he's like oh, are we ever going to get to that point and she just goes she literally and the best part is Dwayne Wade's over in the corner like he just goes like can't do it Shaq like you can't do that you can't pre-rotate you can't do it it's a different game and Shaq's so angry and the best part of the whole thing is when she pulls up the stats and he she just goes what they shoot tonight 11 to 30 so 36 percent and that's an off night and Dwayne Wade his jaw drops because she did that math so quick <laughs> and he just goes he's like wait what and Shaq just like kind of is quiet and like I think the whole thing is again it's a lack of preparation by Shaq which he shows a lot on this show right like oh, he's yeah. He just like tries to stick to he played in the NBA and that should be enough. 
And unfortunately, like I'm a big goofball. Everybody loves me. And that's fine. Like he has a shtick and that's great. But the problem is, is if you're going to go up against a person that is currently playing and knows the game and knows the numbers, you are going to get schooled every time. And so I just love that whole interaction because to round that all back, if you double Jokic, he will find the open corner three or the open three and it will be in your eye and the game will, will switch on that three all the time. Um, so, one, know your shit when you're coming to talk to Candace Parker. And two, you cannot double Jokic because they will kill you with the corner three. <laughs> you also can't single cover him because right now he like he's a more aggressive offensively scoring than than he has been too. And he's Correct. still averaging nine assists a game. Yes, <laughs> it's stupid. It's nuts. It's dumb. So, um, question. Yes. Thinking about this, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Okay. If you're... You're building a franchise. You're ground up. You have to pick a quarter. First thing I'm going to ask you, who who would you rather have, Embiid or Jokic? Like, if you were starting one right now, like... Okay, so I have to ask a question for a qualifier. Sure. Is injury immune? Yeah. Or are we... Or, no, no it, so... Oh, like it's not immune. So, like injury history matters. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's no other answer. I'm sorry. Like, uh, the answer is Jokic because we have no evidence that Joel Embiid can ever stay healthy. We just don't. Sure. Okay. Now let me ask you this, and this is this is a crazy question. If you, if so, if I asked you this a year ago or 18 months ago, you'd be like, I, I feel like the answer would be completely different, or it would be a question, but. If you're starting a franchise today, can you name me five players that you would start that franchise with before you'd get to Jokic? Ooh, I might be able to do exactly five, but he would be five. Like, I, I don't know. And, and if he's not five, he's six. But, okay. but yes, it's very tough. Like, you have to, you have to include him somewhere in a top five or top six. And like, eighteen months ago, we maybe he was a French top ten player, like right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think like if you ask a lot of people, like yeah, he's probably maybe, maybe not, not even. You and I. Yeah, yeah, right. But like, yes, like majority say no, he's not a top ten. I agree. Yeah. But how crazy is it now that like he's probably like top four, or top three? Like you, you just don't. There's you don't even blink an eye. Like, I'm trying to think. Like like if you're looking for the long term benefit of your franchise, like there's just not a lot of guys that I would pick over. I mean, him right now because I mean he's still only 26. Yep. You know he does so many things at an elite level. It, it's just I don't know, man. So. Yeah. No, he's he's unreal, and he's definitely a franchise cornerstone for sure. Yeah. So, and Embiid, if he stays healthy, man. Like, if if this season goes as well as it is and he stays healthy and he can do that even, like, again, next year and the year after or whatever, then if you ask me in three years, my answer might change. But sure. for right now, with all the evidence I have, I cannot trust that he's going to be healthy for a full year or remotely healthy for a full year, and you can't start a franchise. If, you're, if, if my ideal world is to start a franchise, I'm not using that as my first choice, you know? Right. So, and even the Sixers, like at one point, probably were like, "Oh shit, I don't know if that should have been our first choice either." Now they're like, "Hell yeah, this is our first choice." Yeah, they got it. But, yeah. But they've got to have him healthy all the time. 
Um, kudos to the Sixers too uh, for Embiid and Simmons uh, for keeping them. I'll say because at a lot of points they could have been traded over the last few years, or they could have given up because of injury history, because Ben Simmons can't shoot, because of fit. They stayed the course. They realized that they had two really, really good cornerstone players that might have been flawed, but um, and they gave them time to build, and then they brought in a coach who's putting it all together. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a good organization. Seriously, shout out the Sixers. They, I mean, they went through some rough times, but they've really, they've really gotten to a point now where they can hang their hat and be like, we can compete. You know, every every year. I mean, how many other franchises do we know that would have given up on that? You know. A year or two there's, ago, after, there's after a the lot. Butler thing, you know, or there's a lot. I, I, I'd venture to get, I'd venture to guess most of them, or yeah. at least, you know, a slight majority. So, I mean, but also shout out, shout out Tobias Harris. He is having a phenomenal year, and and I know he wasn't going to make the All Star team, but he is playing at an All Star level, and that's also a big reason as to why their success is where they are. Because Doc and I, we, I predicted. I don't remember if you were on board with it too, but I had told you that. Tobias's last good year was with Doc in, in, uh, in L.A., and I knew that he was going to be able to get the most out of him again and put him in the right spot, and he really is. So shout-out to him, too, um, because he's helping this team succeed as well. Absolutely. All right, do we want to move into – let's move into some teams that are, like you said, rounding into shape maybe maybe for good or maybe rounding out of shape for bad. Um, let's start first one. You threw this stat to me via text, but the Brooklyn Nets are are nine and one in their last ten. They've won nine of their last ten. Um, I haven't necessarily looked at who that competition is. I assume it's somewhat decent because um, I remember watching some of them on you know national television. Um, but talk to me about the Nets. What are you what are you seeing? Um, obviously, they're rounding good into shape. They're rounding into good shape. Um, what what do you see? Well, they're doing it without Durant too. Yeah, right now recently. So um, you see a rejuvenated Harden and uh, any issues of offensive chemistry between him and at least Kyrie, um, those have been uh, greatly exaggerated. And uh, they're defending it at a decent rate right now. Uh, they're no yeah. longer, I think, over the last 10 games. Their last 10, they might still be low, last in the league, but they're not historically bad anymore. Yes. So I do have problems. I do have issues with their defense, though, um, going into playoffs. And and that's when, you, that's when you want to see it is against good competition because the East is worse than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> How so? I thought the Raptors would be better, better although their team is starting to round actually into – playoff shape now i thought yeah. the celtics would be better and i thought the heat would be better really you have three teams right now that look like they can beat for the eastern conference finals right you got yeah. the nets the bucks and who am i forgetting sixers sixers <laughs> yeah but those three are head and shoulders above everybody else right yeah yep so i i just feel like the what the east is like on par with what i thought it was going to be um I, I don't know if you thought it was going to be better, but I pretty much thought it was going to be this is what it would be. I thought there'd be five teams. I thought the Celtics and the Heat would be up there as well. Yeah, you were definitely you were definitely yeah. really high on the Heat, which the Heat, it's funny, you look at the standings now, they definitely have a shot to get in, into that top four, which is bonkers the way they started. But, yeah. like, 
Yeah, you you were definitely higher on the Heat than I was. I think I was probably right on board with you with the Celtics. Like we thought they might be at the five, but honestly, it's a three team race, and it might even end up being like you know a two team race by the end of it. Um, sometimes Milwaukee just doesn't look like they're ready for it again. Um, I know Drew Holiday's been out, but um, just a heads up, Brooklyn is still. 26th in the league in defense like I know the last 10 or whatever have been good um but we're still they're still not even cracking top long long way to go yeah and there's some and there's obviously some depth issues there too as well because they don't have anything um you know so I'm gonna bring up two things for Brooklyn and then we can move on um two things one James Harden is playing at an MVP level and he's playing phenomenally. Like yeah. the last, you know, 10, 15 games. He's been playing lights out, unreal, and without him doing that, this team probably has a ceiling. But when he plays like that, the sky is the limit for this team. Right. When you get triple double triple double James Harden every night, that's that's just a game changer. So that's one. I want to shout out him. But two, I do want to shout out Kyrie in this sense. Apparently, like two or three weeks ago, two maybe two weeks ago, he at a meeting or maybe at practice or whatever went up to James Harden and said, you're the point guard, I'm the shooting guard. That's the only way this is going to work. So shout out to him for being aware enough to say, we only go as far as James Harden and, you know, like as the point guard can take us because James Harden at the two just is not the way that teams should run nowadays. James Harden is way too talented to play the two. So Kyrie's skill set fits the two better probably than it fits the one. So I love that he was like, I want you to be the one because that's just better for our team. And I know we give Kyrie a lot of crap, but that takes a big man to be like, hey, I was the point guard before you came here. Now you're the point guard because it's better for us. I'll just shoot threes and slash to the rim as the two. It's going to open up a lot of stuff for Kyrie too. Like he's yep. not going to have the ball in his hand nearly as much, but like the, the offensive attention or the defensive attention is going to be on Harden. And, uh, and Durant when he comes back. And Kyrie's going to get open looks. And you don't want him. If you're the defense, you don't want him. I mean, what do you do? You can't – what do you even do? How do you even defend that, really? Like, he, he's so damn good. Stops and everything. But defending those three is going to be difficult. And I don't know that there's enough teams that have the firepower to do it. The Sixers do. The Sixers can defend them at a decent level, at least, right? I feel like. Yeah. And that might be the only team in the East – that can, can do that. Yeah, it's um the they're heat, a matchup the they're a matchup nightmare. Yeah, 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 yeah. The heat. Yep. The heat if they are firing on all cylinders, if if we had summer heat, you know. Yeah, that's true. They they could play defense against the Nets. So I could see, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting when they hit a patch of adversity. I wanna see that. That's what I want to see. Yeah, they hit it early. Like they had that where they were like losing to the the Wizards and the the Knicks and stuff like that. Which maybe now we're finding out the Knicks aren't necessarily a bad loss. They're a pretty decent team. Um, but yeah, it, there's there's gonna come a time where they lose like four or five in a row because their defense is atrocious, and you wonder like what that locker room's like when that happens. Um, or they're gonna get a two up in a playoff series and then lose two, and then it's gonna be okay. How are they gonna respond? That's that's what I'm gonna see. That's that's what I think is gonna happen. And uh, if this is blasphemy, then, like, let me know. But I almost wonder if, like, having – not obviously Durant makes the team better. I'm not alluding that one of these guys should be out. What I'm alluding to is, like, maybe there's a little freedom 
when there's not three superstars on the court at all times. And you can play a little more free and, and less... Like, James Harden wasn't putting these numbers up when Durant was on the floor. Um, no. So I'm not saying that, like, James Harden is thriving because somebody's out, but maybe he is. And do the numbers do the numbers dip a little bit when Durant comes back? And are, are they less... I don't know. This sounds so crazy to think, but, like, is James Harden benefiting from there being only one other superstar versus two? Him personally or the Nets? Not the Nets, just James Harden. Yes, absolutely. He benefits his his stats benefit from Durant not being there. Okay. Because yeah. I, because he just has the ball in his hands more. Like right. He, he has to create, you know. Durant's so like I said, this isn't a... This isn't an anti, or this isn't a Nets are better without Durant. Obviously, that's ridiculous. It's James Harden has is is able to put up better numbers when there's when there's no Durant because again he his usage rate j- jumps up. Yes. Okay. Another another team on the rise. Go for it. Miami Heat, Heat culture, baby. Dude, you you said it. You were <laughs> on it. It looks um, like it's rounding into that form. It looks like they've finally gotten healthy and pieces back. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's that's the big thing right there. And then, bam, we'll talk about this later. All star snub. Yeah, um, would like to see him make it. They they've been playing well though. They're up to five hundred right now, six spot least. They are going to, I think. Um, I think they're definitely going to think at New York and Boston and probably get into that fourth spot where, where they will end up I'm guessing they're seven and three in their last uh, ten games and uh let's see some more stuff with Tyler Hero. Yeah, they we had said it, like we knew they were gonna come back to the pack because once they got healthy and got everybody in a good rhythm and Jimmy back and, and um uh, and and they they still don't impress me like game in and game out, there's still things that like irk the hell out of me when they play. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I I would be lying if I didn't say that. Like I feel like they ended the four, which I thought they were going to be five or six, and they still could. If Boston, if Boston figures shit out, which we're going to talk about in a second, Boston is the fourth best team in the East. But they don't look like they're figuring anything out anytime soon. So there is a chance here. By the way, all these teams from four to. N- 10, even 11 if you want to throw it in, are so tightly packed that there is a chance that so much shifting happens in this, like, again, 4 to 11 or 4 to 10. That like, Hell, the Wizards are 14 and 20 and only four games back of the four spot. So there uh. is legitimately so much movement that can happen where Boston could find themselves at the end of the year at the nine spot or at the four. Like, it literally just is, is so crazy. Um, the Heat could find themselves at the four or at the ten. It's just if you, with only seventy-two games, if you hit a if you hit a rough patch, you're in a bad spot. And luckily, the Heat hit it early, and then they got luck—not lucky, but they got healthy. And now they're luckily moving up because other teams are, are falling down. There, there's a chance that they could end up at the four and be in, you know, be in a matchup against the Celtics in the first round or something like that. Yeah. Um... If they run into form going into the playoffs, man, like, I'll say this. If Brooklyn ends up getting the number one seed and Miami's at the four, and that's your 
That would be second your round. second round matchup then, right? Yeah. Watch I, out. I'd be on, I'd be on upset <laughs> alert for that. Wouldn't you? Oh, that's not even – I mean, yes, it's upset alert by record, but, like, the Heat are a top four team in terms of, like, when they fire on all cylinders, which I'm not sure they can always do, but when they do, right. they're a matchup problem for everybody. Like, just defensively, they can yes. guard the Nets. Like, Correct. So that would be something that would be interesting to say. Interesting, okay. If you're so, so really quick on the Heat, let's let's go Nets really quick. Who who does Jimmy guard? Does he guard Harden, or does he guard Durant? Bam guards Durant. Right, right. So okay, so we're taking that out of the question. So this, so then, does Jimmy guard Kyrie or does he guard Harden? Ooh. Because there is guard- going to be a mismatch on that floor in one way, which is whoever's I not think- guarding. Kyrie or Durant, I, I or sorry, it, uh, Harden. I think he guards Harden. I don't know if you do that. I don't. I don't know, man. You go back and forth, right? Do I you guess. just let Dragic like run around with Kyrie and hope that like he he like causes him to Try be, to be like, frustrated? Bam, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think okay. that's really. really I'm just like so intrigued. Nunn, if that's, I mean, Nunn. yeah, Nunn will play a little bit too. Yeah. I'm just so intrigued to see that because I know that like the Jimmy Harden thing will be popcorn entertainment for seven games yeah yes he will not let that that like lock my arm and throw it up bullshit happen all game because he will he will not let it happen so i can't wait if that's the one four matchup in the second round um but anyway um let's move on are we are we celtics now yeah okay man i mean they're not deep they have no size Kimba Walker needs to take the rest of the year off. I'm sorry. Like, that knee is not great. Like, and he's just going to go and he's going to get drained and work on and rehab. He'll be out, you know, for, you know, games here and there. He's going to come back. He might play well one day and feel really, really good and then come back. But this is this is not the Kimba Walker that we're used to, right? Like, he's or, at least that, or at least that Boston thought they were getting. <laughs> no. I mean, it's 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 not good, and and I think that has a lot to do with it. And then also, they just they decided to let pieces leave. They didn't do anything to replace. <laughs> like, I mean, I know Gordon Hayward wasn't huge for them necessarily, but name another person they have on their roster right now that doesn't really need their ball in their hands to be that that can be effective without the ball in their hands. Yeah, there's not many. I mean, Jalen um, Brown and Jason Tatum are playing there their asses off and they've really like taken their games to the next level but it doesn't matter because they have zero help yeah they um they don't even have guys who can knock down shots on a consistent basis outside those two yeah last night tatum had 27 and 5 and 12 sorry 27 points 5 assists 12 rebounds jalen brown had 21 4 and 7 Kemba had 15 and 6. I'm sorry. Like that's not I know they won, but the Raptors didn't play like didn't play their starters or anybody except for I actually I don't even think they played a starter. So like the fact that you that you struggled in the first 3 quarters against a, a, a Raptors team with no starters and you played everybody, like I understand guys have off nights, but but Kemba Walker's had an off 3 years. <laughs> like I don't know, like I and, well, I don't think it's been that long. But yeah, you know, I know. But but pl- but playoff wise, Kemba Walker has has so much left to be desired, and the only way this team does anything in the playoffs is if all three of those guys, 
Jalen, um, Kemba, and, and Tatum all perform at a high level, and they just they just can't every night. They need, and they need someone to knock down shots. The corner three, like they don't corner even three. have anybody to come out the bench and do that. That can come off the bench or come off screens and do that sort of thing. Like that's funny. Yeah, they don't have like a certified just like shooter. No. Any. Jason, Ta- they don't have- Jason Tatum's a shooter, but he needs to create that shot. They don't have a guy that like can just come off a screen and knock down a jumper. Right. Yeah, you're right. That's why I've heard uh, trade rumors for them. Doug McDermott. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you laughed. That's a joke, dude. I trust me. I went through the Doug McDermott's the Doug McDermott years for like three yeah, years in Chicago, and it's a fucking joke. It's a fucking joke. Because I was reading it, I don't remember why I was reading that, but I was reading about it, like the Pacers, you know, want to move and how this, how he could really, really help the Celtics. No shit, they want to move him. <laughs> Sorry, that was mean. <laughs> oh shit! I mean, the dude's only shooting thirty. I mean, not only he's shooting thirty six percent from three. Uh, I guess his career is forty one. Why the fuck do I have a image of him just being ass then? <laughs> because he was on some really ass Bulls teams. Hey, they had Jimmy Butler. Um, okay. Actually, his worst shooting years were with Chicago, so that's why I realize he's ass. <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on from the Doug McDermott trade rumors for the Celtics, because that's a fucking joke. Um, the Wizards. Now, this is actually not that the Wizards are bad. This is actually that the Wizards are rounding into shape, right? No, they're so bad. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like- <laughs> They oh, they're terrible. The they're so bad. But Bradley Beal's great. That's all that matters. And he made the All-Star team. And Westbrook didn't. So, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> the world is right. Um, I don't have anything else to say about the Wizards. Like, they're still ass, but, like, the East is also ass, so they have a chance to make the playoffs. Bradley Beal is, like, dragging this team with, with a – with his knee on the ground, just like one leg dragging this team to the to the playoffs or the play-in chance here. They're six games under 500. But they're, they're at the 12 spot. But they're at the 12 <laughs> spot with a chance to the playoffs. God. Oh shit! Yeah, they uh, they're so they're so awful to watch. But like Bradley Beal is so fun to watch that like sometimes I catch myself on League Pass watching them. But like, then yeah. I realize that that I have a soul and I shouldn't be watching the Wizards play basketball. <laughs> um, but anyway, I don't want to talk more than that about the fucking Wizards because they don't deserve airspace. <laughs> You're the one who put them on this thing, man. First of all, that was true. But I <laughs> wanted to make fun of them for like 30 seconds. So we also have the the Hawks and the Cavs on this list. So what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, They're out of shape, man. They're rounding into some god awful, terrible shapes. Yeah, can we just group them, group them together, and just say like they're horrible? <laughs> yeah, remember when the Hawks had that like four game, four no start or some, something like that at the beginning of the season? Everybody's like, oh yeah, the Hawks, all their moves in the off, <laughs> in the off season, and you and I were just like, nah. It was like, oh, only one team left in the NBA is undefeated. It's the 4-0 Atlanta Hawks. Since then, they're 12-20. and 20. So, like, you know, it, it, right. fuck. <laughs> okay. You, you're a Trey Young fan, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not necessarily a fan, but, like, he's talented. He's a good ball player. Yeah, sure. He annoys me. 
I mean, what he's doing now, what he is doing now is, in my opinion, to the eighth power worse than what Harden does. Yes. And 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 Harden is is tough to watch a lot. Yeah. This this whole bullshit that Trey Young that Trey Young's doing, I get it. He's using the rules to his advantage. I guess you can respect that. But that doesn't mean I have to like it. And it sucks. He had a play a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to rant about this, but we couldn't get together on the podcast, and it's been too late, but I'm just going to. Anyways, at the end of game, a game that they end up losing, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. The uh, the back screen from Willie Collinstein, and Willie Collinstein doesn't see him and runs into him, and Trey Young flails like a little bitch, and then gets up and starts yelling at the referee. That has never in the history of an NBA of basketball being played ever been a foul. Am I wrong? Like, no, you're not no wrong. business. He had no business whining and crying about that. And that just to me was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me and Trey Young. Like I respect him as a talented basketball player. There's no denying that he can do things at his size that very few people have ever been able to do. But like he was, he had no interest in scoring the winning bucket on that game. He had no interest in actually beating them. Like he, he, his sole purpose was to fall and get a foul. Like there was not, that was not a basketball play. It was not a basketball screen. That screen ser- served no purpose. It probably wasn't even the play. If you looked at Correct. it, he, he yeah. jumbled things up. Like his sole purpose was to trick the referees into getting a foul call so they could win. Yeah. And Shout out to the referees for like not falling for that because yes, you know thank you because well actually more. a lot of times they will fall for that right like and um, I'm gonna go on a rant too in the same vein I won't go on a rant but like I've said this before we both have talked about this <clears throat> um, the play where the three point shooter pump fakes and a defender jumps but jumps straight up and doesn't hit them and the and the shooter turns his feet away from the basket and then jumps into the foul and ends up facing sideways and gets a foul call when the guy barely touches him and they jumped into it, that is not a basketball play. Nobody shoots a shot with your feet facing the sideline and not actually facing the basket. So stop rewarding that. Now, if the defender jumps into you and bulldozes you, that's different. But if the if the shooter jumps into you sideways and gets a foul call, I'm gonna throw a remote through my TV again. I, I, I not again. Sorry, I will want to do it again. I've never actually, but I will want to throw my remote through my television because that is not a basketball play. It's not a natural basketball move. Nobody shoots feet facing sideways. It doesn't happen. So that, along with the Trey Young thing, where he comes off the screen. And then he comes to a complete stop in the paint, and the defender who is trailing him then ends up running into him, and then he flails up for a shot. Again, nobody in their right mind comes to a complete stop in the middle of the paint and then flails their body to get a shot. It is, like you said, it is not trying to make a shot. It is trying to get a foul. 
I liken it to being on the highway. And if you're driving 65 miles an hour, nobody stops in the middle of the highway going 65 miles an hour. And then if somebody hits them, goes, oh, well, fuck you. You're the one that hit me. Well, yeah, because you stopped going 65 miles an hour on the highway. So, yeah, Trey Young, somebody's going to run into you if you stop in the middle of the paint after you just came off a screen going 20 miles an hour. Like, I don't understand why we're rewarding that. Even if he bulldozes the guy, it's almost like we should do this as a traffic stop. Like, if that's the case and you stop going 65 miles an hour on a highway, dude, whatever happens to your car is your fault at that point. Whatever happens to Trey Young should be his fault at that point because that's not natural. It doesn't make sense. It's not like he's stopping to pull up or shoot or assess no. the situation or whatever. He is literally stopping and oftentimes backing up into the defender. Like, yes. He the yeah, like, sometimes he's like using his arm yeah. and like feeling where the defender is and then he backs up. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I just hate that stuff. And your, your point about the, uh, the jump shooters, like, and I love that you made that because, like, there's, there's still a thing in the NBA, right, of verticality. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I'm entitled. I'm entitled to my space as a defender. I'm entitled to close out and be able to go straight up, right, to close out. So why can an offensive player then jump into me? And then get a foul call. Exactly. And like if if there is a if there is a right to space and right of verticality, and an offensive player goes and and you know it interrupts that right or interrupts that space, that should be an offensive foul or at least nothing, right? Like that should be on the right. offensive player, like, oh, you decided to go this route and it didn't work for you. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. And I like when we play pickup ball. How many times do we get hit when we're shooting or like get bumped when we're shooting and we never call anything because it's like, oh, you know, that's kind of part of the game. Like, I'm play like on. yeah, like you play on now the the Zaza rule. Another thing we can we can briefly chat about the Zaza rule has taken a step, which is almost too far, which again is now that like jump shooters are jumping forward and they're landing on defenders and then they're getting that foul call because they're jumping forward. And again, that is something where referees have to just use judgment and be like, be like, hey, the point guard didn't, the point guard didn't jump forward, or sorry, the defender didn't jump forward into defending this shot any more than they naturally would have. The offensive player is the one jumping forward. This isn't a foul. One hundred percent. Like that's. You remember? That's sorry, really quick. Do you remember when we played with Steve? Yep. Steve. In the Heritage League. Okay. Shout yep. out, Steve. He would take three-pointers and jump, like, seven feet ahead of, like, the line and would sometimes put his arm out when he shot, and then yeah. he would call a foul on the defender when all we did was was brace for it or know it was coming, and he yeah. would call a foul, and everybody got pissed at him. Like, that's the yeah. same thing that's happening in the NBA. And obviously not that exaggerated, but, like, shooters are jumping forward, and then they're getting landed, or, you know, guys are coming under them and they're landing on them and then they're getting flagrant fouls for this like it's a flagrant one now so right. that's two shots in the ball yeah the old the, the old leg kick out yeah. yeah yeah i just don't yeah i don't like it i never have i've been on that train for a few years and it's getting worse like yep so it's a hard game to officiate it really is and i get that of course but, like you have to have some consistency with it as well, too. So hats off, though, to those referees for not calling that flop on Trey Young. Yeah, seriously. I would have liked it, yeah, because that was bad. All Willie Collins was guilty of was turning around. 
Yeah. So. Oh, bummer. He actually wanted to play defense. Yeah. Um, okay, let's round this out with the Jazz and the Pelicans. First Jazz. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say other than, like, they've been clearly the best team in the NBA, you know, since the start. Um, but... Something to be said about um, team consistency, right? Because they have yeah. not had a lot of turn player turnover the last few years. Correct. And I think they're just really, really gelling, and they're doing their thing. Having Bogdanovich back in the lineup really, really helps them. You know, they missed him sorely last year. They probably went against Utah with him. Denver, but yeah. Or Denver. Utah beats Denver with him. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say other than, like, I'll ask you one question, and then we can move on to the Pelicans. Do you actually trust, like, do you actually believe in this Jazz team, though? It depends on what you mean by believe. Like, okay, they're the best team by record-wise, and they're probably the best team right now. But they're not the best team in the NBA. They're like, not my favorite to win an NBA Finals. They're like, push comes to, to yeah, yeah. Like push comes to shove, they're not the best team in the NBA, and you're not trusting them to win a title. No. I think they... I think in the West, I could easily see them beating the Clippers and getting to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. If, the, if that's I don't the even know if I see that, though. But, yeah. I could see that. I mean, yeah. they have all the pieces there to do that thing. I just don't think that they can go in against two top five players and a healthy AD and LeBron, but no one else can. There's no shame in that. So, yeah, th- yeah, are you telling me that, that? Yeah. Are you telling me that, like, Bogdanovich, Mitchell – Ingles and company couldn't slow down a little bit. Kawhi and Paul George at least guide them in. You don't think their philosophy couldn't work? Guide them into Gobert and then Gobert, you know, stop them at the rim. Oh, I mean, it's definitely good in theory. I just haven't, I just haven't seen that happen yet. Um, the Clippers do it either. Yeah, boom. No, you're right. And also, there's a different like playoff piece, a real thing, and he he has <laughs> trouble in the playoffs. So <laughs> like, he just we're gonna find that out, but. Um, I love what the Jazz are doing. They're a ton of fun to watch, and um, I think they've covered, like, I don't know. I think I brought this up, but, like, at one point they had covered 19 to 20 spreads. I think they're probably a little less because they've lost some games, but um, they're just a ton of fun to watch. This team, one player is really, really fun to watch, but the team sucks. What is going on in, in New Orleans right now? So... Um, yeah, last 10, they're 4-6. and six. Um, They've lost two in a row now after being on a nice little win streak there. Um, Brandon Ingram's also playing really well. Um, but outside of that, uh, I, I say that, but Lonzo's also improving. I just think that, like, they just have nights. They're, they're, they just can't string enough good nights together. They, like, have two nights where they're really good, but then they'll have three or four where they're not. And, again, being 4-6 and six in your last 10 shows that, that, like, you just can't get any sort of great rhythm. Um, team again. We we say it. We'll belabor it. But like team construct isn't super great. Um, a lot of pieces don't really fit and make sense. Um, so other than that, I'm just not sure what el- what else to talk about. There, Zion's great, but he can only do so much, and um, they just disappoint. They don't have an identity to hang their head on. They're not like this amazingly great shooting team. Right. KJ Redick has really struggled from that. They're not this great, amazingly defensive team. They're the right? second worst in the league in defense. Yeah. Yeah. For a Stan Van Gundy team, that's awful. That's right. real, real No, bad. 100%. And then, um, and then offensively, I mean, if you had to say what their identity is, is it 
Ingram and Zion taking turns, like in sort of an ISO way. I mean, you know, they just, and I think that that's part of the problem with their consistency, right? Is that there's, what are they good at? What do they do? Zion's good at good at points in the bucket. Ingram's good at ISO score. Yeah, they're sixth in the league offensively, efficient efficiency wise, which is really good. Um, yeah. But when you, but like being 29th defensively, again, we just say it all the time, like ain't gonna cut it, and that's gonna lead you to lose a lot of games that you shouldn't lose because of your defense. So uh, again, I don't want to belabor these teams that are, aren't like super great. Um, uh, sorry, the Jazz are, but like Pelicans are very average. So um, we're we're gonna move on because I don't have a whole lot to say other than like. They just don't have what they don't have what it takes. They just don't. Yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about All Star Weekend stuff. All right, we are back and uh, we're gonna talk about some All Star Weekend, some All Star facts, and some fun All Star stuff here. Um, first things first, let's talk about LeBron's team here. Sounds like he has the better one again. Like third, third or fourth year in a row now that like. You just look at these teams and you're one side. Did you see Giannis's interview uh, the other day? I didn't get to see the interviews, no. <laughs> so afterwards, like, he's sitting there in a Zoom call and he's eating or whatever. And uh, the reporter asks him, he goes, you know who is, you know who else is on your team? And he's like, no, actually, I haven't looked. But he goes, he goes you got Steph, you got Jokic, and you got Luca. And he goes, and me and LeBron? <laughs> that's awesome like, yeah and he was like oh they don't have a chance like that's okay. no yeah i mean i mean i'm looking at their squad and literally <laughs> it's stupid lebron Giannis, steph dot uh luca Jokic, and then like if you want to throw in the other guys it's gobert paul george chris paul sabonis simmons and jalen brown and lillard that team is loaded i mean Durant's team has Levert. Oh, sick, dude. <laughs> and by Levert, you mean Levine. Levine, Levine. You, God damn, what is wrong dude, with me? Seriously, today? dude, Levert. Dude, know. respect him, man. He's in. He's I do. in stuff. I love. Stuff. I love. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, yeah, dude. Levine, shout out Zach Levine, though. Shout out Zach Levine. Um, yeah. Playing at an unreal, unreal level this year. Um. Yeah, I think maybe some of it is just namesake because, like, when I'm actually looking at Durant's team, it's actually pretty damn good. Um, but one, I don't think Durant's gonna play. No, he's and not. So now you're down that guy, and um, but like Kawhi, Kyrie, Joel, Tatum, Bradley Beal, Booker. But then this is where it, oh James Harden. But then it kind of goes like all right, Julius, Randall, Vucevic. Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, like the lower tier guys just aren't as good as the other lower tier guys of LeBron's of team. team. Right. So it's like, ah, shit, here we go. <laughs> Plus, with that starting five, man, that's crazy. Yes. Like, if you're building a modern day NBA starting five, if you had to play the mom stars in the NBA today, is that that's the starting five you want? LeBron has all the MVP candidates. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like looking at it and I'm like, oh, he has himself. Giannis, yep. Luca, Jokic, and Steph all are probably top five or top six in the MVP. <laughs> Kawhi probably is the other one that's like on the other team. But like right. it's unreal. What yeah, oh, it's stupid. Embiid. Well, yeah, he has Embiid, obviously, but like five of the top seven or eight of the MVP candidates are on LeBron's team. <laughs> that's um, funny, man. 
But yeah, so like the All-Star game this year is going to be, you know, somber because it, it probably shouldn't be happening and all this stuff, but LeBron definitely has the better team. Any surprises there for you? All-Stars? Or non-All-Stars? Snubs? Anything like that? I was going to say, let's just move right into snubs. Um, I have I have two. Okay. Um, yeah, you wrote not Booker and Sabonis because they ended up getting in. They were definitely Booker was definitely a snub to begin with, but then he got in with yeah. an injury or because of an injury. Sabonis also pretty deserving, but not not as big of a snub in my eyes as like yeah. as Booker was. Okay, so I know we just dicked on this guy and, and really just messed with this dude, but but Trey Young was a snub, um, just based on numbers. Like he was a snub. Um, but the one that I'm still, that I'm still bummed about is, is Mike Conley. And, um, I, I understand like the, the people that are like, oh, well, his numbers aren't there and bam and Trey Young or whomever. Um, but there was a year where the Atlanta Hawks got four all-stars in because they were the best team of basketball and they had good numbers when they were the best team of basketball. The only, the, like... The fact that Gobert and and Mitchell both are in, and and rightfully so. I'm not taking anything away from them. But the fact that that's where it ended and we didn't get a chance to see Mike Conley in an All-Star game, which, by the way, probably will not happen anymore now. Um, This was his best chance. And we had two people go down because of injuries. I I just would have loved to have seen him get in. Um, So maybe that's an emotional snub, but, like, I wanted him to get in, and I felt like he deserved it, um, but it's probably not going to happen going forward, and that's a bummer to me. Yeah, I mean, I, when you told me that he had never made an all-star game, I was kind of floored because, like, he was the general of those Grizzly teams who went deep into the playoffs a few years. It was, you know, with Randolph and uh, Marcus All. Yeah. So I felt like he, he had, at some point, would have picked one up along the way. But, so... I mean, yeah, it would have been nice. I mean, they're dominating everybody for them to get three in. The other guys that were considered snubs, you know, Trey Young. Yeah, just numbers based. It's a little bit of a snub. I don't. And Bam. I mean, I would like to see Bam, but he was he was hurt. He didn't play, you know, a lot. And then other guys that you want to talk about just played, you know, on really shitty teams. So like. You know, there's that too. Although Julius Randle did get in, so there was actually nothing that I was just like outraged about. Like in years past, when Devin Booker yes. missed it or Bradley Beal missing, you're just like, that's absolutely happening. Like there's but, been nothing to me this year that has been like, okay, that's that. One. But Devin Booker was snubbed because the only reason he got in was from an injury. So yeah. like that still blows did, my yeah. mind. That still blows my mind. I don't know what the dude has to do, especially when they're the number they're the number two ball. seed. Yes, I know people are going to be angry, and I'm actually wait. You said sorry over who? Chris Paul. Oh no, I I think Chris Paul is is absolutely an all star and probably should be in like a top six or seven for the MVP this year. Just what he does every year to get teams to playoffs is is remarkable. Um, it's awesome. But I'm looking down the line here, and like maybe. Maybe this is like a little bit, like, I don't know. Maybe he's he's probably probably more deserving than Zach Levine, who again I love, but like, yeah. There's Devin Booker. I mean, Jalen Brown too. Jalen Brown's having a great year, but like, 
is he better than Devin Booker this year? I don't think so. Um, there's just guys that like down the li- oh Ben Simmons. I'm sorry, but I know he's the Defensive Player of the Year probably, but that doesn't warrant necessarily that you deserve an All Star over Devin Booker. Um, so there's guys that I go down where I'm like, man, that's Those a bummer. Are all Eastern Conference guys. Oh, were they? Oh, yeah, that's right. They were. Okay, so then I guess it doesn't matter. I, I've, <laughs> yeah, dude, he's just on the unfortunate situ- scenario of being in the West, um, where there's like so much, so much talent everywhere. Yeah, but he does get. He'll get his All Star credit. It'll be on there. It will. You're right. It'll count. So. Yeah, dude, I didn't even realize I was mentioning all Eastern Conference guys. So maybe that's my problem: is that the Eastern <laughs> Conference is taking up space from good Western Conference guys. Right. So, yeah, I didn't have a, a huge – there's nothing really, really outrageous, I think. I would yeah. have been outraged if Devin Booker didn't get in, you know, right injury or anything like that. But I think they almost got it pretty right. You know, they did. So, obviously, it would have been nice to see Bam get in there just because I really, really like Bam. But Yeah. Um, got some fun all-star facts for you. Yeah, let's round it out. Let's round this episode out with just some, uh, some fun facts of the all-star game and just all-star in general. They're looking at the outline and cheating. No, I'm just kidding. You can't. I mean, I'm. Go for it. Let's run it. All right. Ask me who some questions most, here. Who, who has the most all-star MVPs? Ooh. Michael Jordan, MJ. No. His pre- his, his his mirror image, Kobe. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, he has four. I thought for sure it would be uh, Michael, but okay. They How just, many does Kobe they, have? He has four. Okay. And they just renamed the NBA All-Star MVP award after him, actually. Oh, that's right. Yep, that's right. So. Okay. Fun fact, he was also the youngest player ever to make an NBA All-Star game. 19 years old. Ooh, I was going to say, I was going to say Luca, but 19? Yeah. I mean, that's got to be LeBron, right? Like, I don't know if anybody. Oh, it's not. Kobe. Golly! Yeah. Well, the, oh, okay. Did he did he enter the league though younger than LeBron just by age wise? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, that makes sense. So, um, but who was the youngest MVP of the NBA All Star game? Well, I feel like you wouldn't throw this in if it was also Kobe, unless you're throwing me a trifecta for Kobe. Yeah. But if he's the youngest in the game, well, I'm gonna go because LeBron was probably older when he jumped in. He probably won the first MVP or the youngest MVP. Yes, that's right. LeBron. I feel like if I just guess LeBron or Kobe in the All Star game, I'm gonna get it right at some point. LeBron is also the all time leading scorer in the All Star game. Well, yeah, he's been like what sixteen, seven. This is his seventeenth year, so like this that makes 17th sense. Seventeenth one. Yeah. Okay. Who is the oldest player to ever play? NBA well, it's All-Star. probably the. It's probably the oldest player ever to do anything in this league, so Kareem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I just anytime you throw an oldest in a really good stat, I just instantly go to Kareem. Kareem. All right. Oldest NBA All-Star MVP. Oh man, I have no idea. Is it also Kareem because of old? <laughs> it, it is not. It is not. It's the big fella. Shaq. Oh. Well, how old was he? He was 36, almost 37, like like 20 days from his 37th birthday. So so even if LeBron wins it this year, it's still Shaq. 
Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then just a couple more. Um, most NBA All-Star appearances. Oh, I would have said LeBron, but but that's he's only at seventeen. There's got to be someone with more than that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna either go Kobe or Kareem. So let's go. Kareem's older. Let's go Kareem. Not, uh, he's it, probably got like it, he's probably got like it, eighteen. Like one more. Kareem has nineteen. Oh my god. I know. Isn't that crazy? How many years did he play? I think 20, 21 maybe. God, he made 19 of 20, yeah. 21 All-Star games yeah. as a player. <laughs> LeBron's going to do it too here. Well, yeah, years. yeah, he is. This is LeBron's 17th. So, um, after LeBron, there's two other players in this year's All-Star game that oh. have gotten 10 or more All-Star appearances. Um, I know one is Chris Paul. Yep. Oh boy. Um. Oh. Um. I'm just thinking of guys who have been in the league a while, or at least you know, probably he's probably in the. Well, he wasn't. Uh, Kevin Durant. Yep. That's okay. it. You got it. Yep. And then next is Harden with nine. <laughs> but look at that gap there. LeBron has 17. The next closest person has 11. <laughs> he has a golly. How, but how much younger is Durant than LeBron? Is he like six years or seven years younger? Four, five. LeBron uh, yeah, or so Durant, 31, 32. It's going to be tough to catch him, yeah, especially with the, coming off that Achilles. Dang, dude, you uh, those are some nice stats. You, uh, you, you had the numbers yeah. there. Um, I, yeah, my, my strategy of I would have gotten five out of – seven right if i would have just stayed with kobe kareem or lebron for most of those so <laughs> right? i feel like i was good um well that is uh that is gonna do it for us for another episode of in the paint joe you got anything else that's it man all right well we'll be back next week if you haven't listened to the last episode that we dropped um we dropped an episode with pro hooper jack gibbs um he's a buddy of mine um someone i went to high school with who ended up playing at davidson and then playing overseas um in belgium and finland if you haven't check that out on youtube or um on our podcast streaming platforms that was last episode it's a really nice interview and i call it an interview but just a conversation with with jack just seeing his journey from from young to to where he is now playing ball um and then check us next week we'll have more nba stuff and then we'll talk about march madness as well so thanks for listening guys Searching for the only one who knows what you're fighting for. I got what you want. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got everything.